Acts 12. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back, out, ran back without opening it. Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be an angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Please pray with me. Lord, my God, hear our prayers today. Hear our crying out to you. Hear the burdened. Hear those asking, God. And also hear the joyful praises as we lift them up to you. I pray over Neth and the words that he speaks to us today. I pray the Holy Spirit will speak and work through him. I pray that each person listening will take something away from this message and are able to apply it to their life. Thank you for loving us and wanting us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Good morning, church family. I'm thankful for being able to be here this morning and being able to worship God. Who's with me in that? Amen. Let's give it up for him. I'm filling in for our lead pastor, Chris, while he's in Africa right now with our team out there. And so I'm honored and privileged to have this opportunity to bring, be able to bring the message this morning. I also want to thank Bickham for leading Deep Cries Out. Because today is Family Sunday, as he said, and there are a lot of kids in here, and so I wanted them to have something that they were familiar with, plus I like dancing to it. So, um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Neth, I'm the children's pastor here, so if you're new with us, or you're visiting, whatever the case may be, that's who I am. You're wondering why this guy up here with all the ink on his arms. Um, so today is Family Sunday, so if you dropped your kids off first through sixth grade, Go get them now, because there's no teacher in their classroom this morning. So two weeks ago, we had I Wonder Camp here at Fellowship. And so we had 20, 29 kids that were here for camp, and we had it four days. The first three days, we just went through how I wonder how my story fits in with God's story. So the first half of the day, each day, we spent here in the sanctuary worshiping and playing games, and then the later half of the day we went on excursions. And so Monday we went to the Children's Museum, which by the way, you can get kicked out of the Children's Museum because we did that, so check that box off. Um, on Tuesday we went to Pinstack, which is, they have bowling and bumper cars, and I just, just look it up. It's a really fun place to go, so we had two hours of unlimited everything there, which is a lot of sugar and a lot of pizza and a lot of games, so they got all that out of their system. On Wednesday, actually, Coach went with us, our Chris. He went with us, and we went to Altitude, the jump park. And so that was fun. That was an experience. I hadn't been to that one before. But what we looked at in here when, while we were worshiping God was how our story can fit in with God's. So on Monday, we looked at what makes my story unique. And so we talked about each kid and what makes their story unique and how they can use that story to share the gospel with someone else, to share Jesus at their school, at the, with their family, with a neighbor, whatever that looks like. So on Tuesday, we looked at what gifts do I have and how can I use those gifts 
for God. And so we had four different stations set out throughout the sanctuary, and they had they were poster board, and they had encouraging, leadership, giving, and helping written on them. And so we broke the kids up into four different groups, and they each spent time rotating out to different stations. And if they thought that the word on that poster board was their big gift, they would write their name on there. And then as a collective group, they would go through with their group leader, and they would take a post-it note, and they would write down ways to use that gift for God. And so there was a lot of different ways, a lot of creative ways and some practical ways to use those gifts for God and his mission. And then on Wednesday, we looked at how can I spend time with God? So we talked about different ways that we could spend time with God in our lives and throughout the week and throughout just the rest of our life. But one of the ones that we focused on the most was prayer. And so we had different stations set up for that as well. And over here to my left was the first station, and that was pray for a struggle. And so as you can see in the picture, we had different rocks spread out on the table, and the idea was to take a rock and each kid to write down an addiction or a struggle or a sin in their life that they wanted to let go. And just like we say that sin weighs us down, the analogy was that the rocks weigh you down. So they wrote down a sin on there, and they prayed over that sin, and then they left it in the bucket at the table. The next one over here was pray for someone. And so we had name tags spread out on the table, and the kids would grab a name tag, and they would write down an individual or a couple of individuals that they wanted to pray over, and they would write it, and they'd stick it on that poster board and pray over that person or those people. Next to that was ways that you can share Jesus. And so we had strips of paper out there cut out for them to write down a way, a creative way or a practical way where they can share Jesus with someone else throughout that week or throughout the next week. And so what they did was wrote down a way to share Jesus. They prayed over that and asked God to give them the courage, the strength, whatever that looked like for whatever that was and pray over it, and then leave it at the table. In the back, we had two tables set up with chairs around them, and we just had coloring pages, because everyone loves to color. And so the coloring pages had to do with prayer. So there might be a scripture on there. There might be just a coloring page that says prayer. Um, there was one that said, pray, ask, think. And so that was just time for them to take a coloring page and just color that, but as they're coloring it, to remind them to be in prayer with God during that moment. Over here to my right, y'all's left, we had a thankful station. And so we had different boards of various sizes and shapes cut out. And the idea was to take a board, pick out whichever one you wanted, and we had paints and markers and anything that was messy on that table. And they were to paint a picture of something that they were thankful for and pray over that and thank God for that. So some of the kids painted a picture of a house. Some of them painted a picture of a car. Some of them painted a picture of a family. Some of them were just colored. And so I didn't want to say, hey, paint a picture of this thing. I wanted it to come from them. And so I know in those, those ones that just had color on them, they were still thankful for whatever it was that they painted on that board. 
And then our last one over here was an intentional prayer hotspot. And that was just for them to take a note card and a pen and just spend time journaling down a prayer with God and writing down a prayer and spending time with God in that prayer. And I said, whatever that looks like for you. If you want to take a note card and you want to go out into the lobby and spend time with God, or if you want to sit at the table and spend time with God, or if you want to kneel anywhere in here, just take that time to spend time with God in that moment and be intentional about it. It was amazing to watch these kids through that worship, through prayer. And somewhere along the way, it showed me that us as adults have forgotten some of that. We've lost some of that vulnerability that comes with prayer and opening up to God. And I had been prepping for this sermon there because I knew that I was, I was going to be preaching on prayer, but God spoke to me in that. And he's like, this is what you need to do. You need to speak on a relationship through prayer. And so that's, that's where we're at today. So today we're starting a three-week series on prayer. And I'm excited to get started with the series, and I'm excited to do it. But before we dive in, I want to pray for us. So if you all pray with me. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for prayer. I thank you for giving us access to you, giving us a chance to be able to talk to you every day, anywhere. God, I thank you for wanting to listen to us. God, as we talk about your word and specifically prayer this morning, I pray that you will bless it. I pray that you will open our hearts and our minds and that something that you speak through me, God, will just speak to someone today. In your son's name I pray, amen. So today as we dive into prayer, I know there's a lot of misconceptions that come along with that. Some of us think that it's a formal thing that we have to be in a proper position or we have to say a certain thing or a certain way for God to hear us. Some of us even think that I'm not spiritual enough for God to even hear me when I pray. I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough Christian. And I think that that can all be summed up with this clip from Meet the Parents. So let's take a look at that. Ready? Would you like to say grace? Pam, come on, it's not like I'm a rabbi or something. I said grace in many a dinner table. It's... Okay. Oh, dear God, thank you. You are such a good God to us, a, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day by day Day by day, by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray. 
to love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, to follow thee more nearly, day by day by day. Amen. Amen. Oh, Greg, that was lovely. Thank you, Greg. That was interesting, too. <laughs> kind of awkward, right? Some of us view prayer in that way. We view it as something that we have to stumble through, something that we have to have the right words, we have to say it in the right way. So today, as we look at prayer, I want to look at it through the lens of relationship. I want to share some practical principles that will help us all in our prayer life. So principle number one, prayer is not a punishment, it's a privilege. So maybe some of you grew up in a faith where the, your punishment was just that, praying. And so your parents might say something like, oh, you did that? Well, now you need to pray 15 times just, and think about what you did for your forgiveness. Maybe you cheated at work. Maybe you lied to a friend, or maybe you ripped the mattress tag off that says, do not remove. <laughs> what were you thinking? Okay, well, now you got to pray 20 times and ask for forgiveness for that. That's not how we should view prayer. Prayer is not a punishment. It's a privilege. With prayer, we get to talk to the God of the universe. We have access to someone who has unlimited power. He's the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He can do anything, see anything, and He knows everything. And even with all of that knowledge and all of that power, He still wants to listen to us. Anytime, anywhere, for any reason, He wants to have that relationship. Principle number two. Prayer is not a last resort. It's a first priority. So my plans didn't work out. My cell phone's not working. My credit card is maxed out. Nobody's answering their phone. Nothing is going right in my life. Nobody's willing to help me out right now. I guess I'll just have to pray. And sometimes, prayer is our last resort when it should be our first priority. It should be the first thing we go to every single time. So I challenge everyone in the room, self-included, to let prayer be the first thing that you go to when you find yourself in those situations. Let talking to God be the first thing that you do, making that a habit, building that relationship. Martin Luther once said, I have so much to do today that I have to spend the first three hours in prayer just to get it all done. You see, we think we don't have time for prayer. I have so much to do in my day. I have to drive all the way over here and pick up this thing. And I have to drive all the way over there to pick the, or drop this thing back off. I have an appointment on this side of town. And then right after that, I have to drive all the way over here for a meeting on the other side of town. And that's just my schedule. You haven't even seen my kids' schedule yet. I have so many kids that sometimes I just feel like a taxi. And I'm just picking them up from here and I'm dropping them off over here. And then when we get there, I have to go, go back home and pick up the thing that they forgot that they have to have and drive it all the way back to where they're at. And we do all of that stuff throughout the day. And then we haven't once taken time to speak to God. 
We've done everything else. And we haven't slowed down to talk to him. I'll try to remember to pray before I eat lunch. I'll try to remember to pray when I have time to just slow down throughout the day. I'll definitely make sure that I pray before I go to sleep tonight. But the truth is, prayer is what aligns our priorities with God and his priorities. We should be setting the foundation of our day with prayer every single day. Prayer is the foundation of a well-lived life. Prayer is the foundation of a well-lived day. Prayer adds fresh air to the blah of an everyday life, and it changes our attitudes on how we see that day and the things that we have to do. Our attitude towards the mundane things that we have to do every single day. I love what Smith Wigglesworth said about prayer. Plus, his name is actually fun to say, Wigglesworth. He said, I don't often spend more than half an hour in prayer at one time, but I never go more than half an hour without praying. That's it. That's the goal. It's like hashtag prayer goal. That's what we should all be searching for and all be longing for. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Luke 18 verse 1 He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. It's this idea that we're always talking to God throughout the day. That we're always having this conversation with God. Not just when it's convenient for us. Not just when we find the time to fit it in. Not when we take the time to slow down throughout our day. But we should have such a relationship with God that we are always in prayer with Him. We should always have a relationship with God that we want to pray to Him. Because He's there. He's always ready to listen to us. And we should always be having that ongoing conversation. Now I know there are certain times that we have to take time and pray for something specific. We have to slow down and take time out of our day to just pray for someone or something that we're going through and be intentional and focused about that prayer. But throughout the regular day and course of our day and life, we should just have that ongoing conversation with Him. And that brings us to our third principle. Prayer is not a code. It is a conversation. Where did we get this idea that prayer, you have to say certain things in a certain way? Or like it's this code that we have to crack. It's like we're trying to impress God. Like God's up there. He's not really paying attention to what's going on. And then all of a sudden we say a prayer. And he's like, wait, did he just use some spiritual words? Maybe I should listen to him this time. Or did she just speak Christianese and multiple syllable words? I'm definitely going to listen to that one. It just... It just doesn't make sense that we're trying to impress God with our prayers and the words that we use and the way that we say them. There's no secret formula to prayer. There's no code to crack. Prayer is just a conversation with God. And you can talk to Him just like you would a spouse, just like you would a friend, or for your kids in the room, just like you would a parent. He says, cast your cares on me and your anxieties because I care for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. He's there. 
and He wants to hear from each one of us. He also wants to speak into each one of our lives, and if we're not talking to Him, there's no way we can hear from Him. There's no quick fix to an amazing prayer life. There's no microwave solution to it. We just have to keep that conversation going. The way to have an amazing prayer life is just that. Pray to God. And then when you think that you've prayed enough, just pray some more. And that looks different for each one of us. Some of us, it's our commute to work, if you have a long commute to work. Maybe you pray on the way to work, or maybe you pray on the way back home. For some of us, we need an app, and that's downloading an app, like the Echo app. And you keep track and reminders to pray, and keep track of who you're praying for and what you're praying for. Or maybe it's writing down your prayers like the kids did. And maybe it's journaling your prayers. Because I know for some of us that helps to write it down. And we can think of different things that we might not be able to when we're not writing it down. Maybe it's finding a prayer hotspot. Maybe that's your garage or your car or your favorite chair on your deck. But just find a spot where you can get away from the distractions of the world and you can just spend time with God in prayer, in silence with God, and just pour out your heart to Him. And that should be something that we're doing every single day. So whatever it is that works for you, find that. I challenge everyone in the room to find how they can either strengthen your prayer life if you already have one, or build a prayer life that you don't have already. Principle number four. Prayer is not a wish list. It's a weapon. Now, hear me out. It is very biblical to ask God for things that we need and want. James 4 says you don't have because you don't ask. God loves to give good gifts to his children. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. It's definitely okay to ask him for help and blessings. But if your view of prayer, and more specifically God, is like he's this big vending machine in the sky, or like Santa Claus just waiting for your wish list, you need to fix that. Because that's the wrong view of prayer. If the only time that you go to him is to ask him for something off of your wish list, like a new car, or a new house, or that promotion that you've been running after, or a fatter wallet, or a bigger bank account, or something else from your wish list. You need to change the way that you pray. C.S. Lewis said, he did not pray to change God. He prayed to change himself. Ask God for things you want and things you need, but don't stop there. Don't let that be the end of your prayer life. Thank him, praise him, worship him, Talk to him. Ask him for help. Share what's on your heart. Share what's troubling you, what's bothering you. Tell him what you're worried about. Tell him where you specifically need him in that day to help you out and be there for you. Ask him for guidance and wisdom. Ask him to transform your heart to be more like Christ. Ask him for the words and the courage to share the gospel with someone throughout the week. Pray for someone specific. Pray for blessing and guidance on this church body. 
You see, there's so much more that we can pray about than just our wish list of wants. Prayer is a spiritual weapon, and it's how we fight our battles. So prayer is not a punishment. It's a privilege. Prayer is not a last resort. It's a first priority. Prayer is not a code. It's a conversation. Prayer is not a wish list. It's a weapon. And so far, we've looked at prayer in a broader sense. But I want to take more time right now in the book of Acts, chapter 12, and I want to focus on a specific account in the book of Acts. So if you have your Bibles, turn there. If you're old school like me, or if you have a Bible app, still turn there. And we're going to start reading in verse 1. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. So other versions say he was arresting those that belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So his goal was, after the Passover was over, to bring him out and put him on trial before the people, just like they used to do in those days. But during that time of waiting while he was in prison, he assigned 16 soldiers on rotation to guard him. So likely two of them would be chained to Peter at all times, and then two of them would be outside of the, his cell door guarding him all the time. And you might ask, why so much security for somebody that's so harmless of a prisoner? Well, if you turn back to chapter 5, Peter had already been broken out of prison once by an angel. And so Herod said, whatever we did last time, we need to make that better, and we need to up our security. So let's read in verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself, put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know what was being done by the angel was real. He, but he thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them on its own accord. And then when they went out, along the street, and immediately the angel left him. I picture this as one of those stories, those cool stories that somebody turns into a movie, so I'm waiting on the, for the movie to come out for this. But until then, let's start reading in verse 5 again. The church was earnestly praying for Peter's release, and God answered that prayer and busted him out of jail. I also like how Luke added this little detail in there that wasn't necessary. It said that the angel had to whack him on the side to wake him up. And so I'm picturing him in a deep sleep, and he gets whacked on the side, and then there's an angel before him. Now, I don't know how y'all view angels, 
maybe it's differently than I do, maybe you see them as naked little babies, are frail people with flowing gowns, but I see them as warriors. And there's a lot of references in Scripture, actually, to back up the basis that they were more like warriors than anything else. We read about Jacob wrestling an angel. And I don't know they would have wrestled a naked little baby with wings. Maybe not. Anytime God allows someone to see an angel in Scripture, the first thing that they say is, do not be afraid. Nobody ever responds to that with, oh, how cute. Look at that little angel. They're always the opposite. They're quite terrified. You see, angels are God's messengers. They're God's warriors. And they shouldn't be underestimated. And this time was no different. The church prayed for Peter to be released, and God responded by sending one of his warriors out there. But maybe God has a warrior for us. Maybe he has a God, a warrior, just waiting for us to be released and sent out, but we haven't asked for that yet. Peter found himself, after he was prayed for, being released and freed by a warrior. Shackles fell off, prison doors were opened, city gates swung open. Prayer works, church. God answers prayers. Prayer opens doors. Prayer gets things done. So why don't we pray more? So why don't we pray more and create a space for God to get to work in our lives? Verse 11. When Peter came to himself, he said, now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer, Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. I love these little details. So, they, God answered their prayer, and Peter comes, and he's knocking at the gate, and Rhoda is so excited that she doesn't even open the door for him. She just leaves him there, runs back, and tells him what's going on. Verse 15, this is how they responded. They said to her, you are out of your mind, Rhoda. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, It is his angel. <clears throat> but Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened, they saw him and were amazed. Have you ever prayed for something, and when God answered, you were amazed? Like, this prayer thing really works. God's actually listening to my prayers. Have you ever prayed for something so specifically that you knew that it was God working? That there was absolutely no way you could have done that on your own or anyone else. That definitely wasn't a coincidence. It was God working in your life through your prayer. Even more difficult question. Have you ever asked God for something, to do something, to change something, to heal someone, and it didn't happen? I have. You see, prayer reminds us that we're not God. It reminds us that we need to submit our will to his will. We ask him, but we surrender our plans to his plan. We pray, not my will, but your will be done. Now, that doesn't mean that you have a lack of faith. 
That just means you're submitting to God. That means you acknowledge that He may know something or more than you know. Lord, You're my God, and I'm not. I want this, but I want Your will even more. Can you pray that? Do you have that type of relationship with God? Because you see, sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is wait. And sometimes the answer is no. Just trust me. Do you have a relationship with God that when you pray for something and the answer is no, you don't turn away from Him? That you continue to talk to Him? That you continue to pray to Him? And you may be going through something hard. You may be in a place right now that you're asking, why God? You're confused. You don't understand. You can't make sense of what's going on around you. But is your prayer life strong enough to get you through that? Is your relationship with God strong enough to get you through that? So when my wife Natalie was pregnant with our younger daughter Arden, she had preeclampsia, which is just fancy jargon for high blood pressure induced by pregnancy. So Arden came a little bit early. Baby was good. Mama was good. We all went home. Happy family. Two other kids. Well, about a week or two later, her doctor called and said, you're going to have to go back to the hospital. We need to admit you for Natalie because she couldn't get her blood pressure back down. They tried everything at this point. So they admitted her to the hospital. We're hanging out with her in her room. Arden, the new baby, two other kids. And we're about to leave for the day so I can go get them into bed. It was later that night. And the nurse said, you can't leave Arden here. She's no longer a patient with us. I cried. Arden cried. Natalie cried. The nurse started crying. It was just awkward in the room at this point. Everyone was crying. We weren't prepared to leave Arden there. You see, she was only breastfed at this point, and she wouldn't take the bottle, and so I cried because I didn't know what to do, and we were taking her away from her food source, and the only person at this point that she actually knew. So I did what any valiant father would do, and I strapped her in the car seat, and I went to Walmart, and I bought some formula and a bottle, and I just tried everything. So I took her home. She's screaming the whole way. The other kids are now screaming the whole way. We get home. I try feeding her the bottle. She takes some of it, and I'm like, great. This is good. And then she spits it all back up on me. She's still crying at this point, so I pick her up. I try swinging her. I try doing anything I can to comfort her. It was not working. So I thought of something that we did with the other kids, and I said, we're going for a ride. So I strapped her in the car. Car seat, not just the car. She had a seat. <laughs> I strapped her in the car seat. I put her in the truck and woke the other two kids up, and we, we drove for so long until she finally fell asleep. Got back home. I put her beside my bed. I did not take her out of the car seat. I was not going to touch her again at this point. <laughs> I put the other two kids to bed, and we finally got some sleep. But I can only imagine that next day, when Natalie saw Arden, if she had asked her, hey, how did that go last night, Arden? Arden would have said, well, first thing, you abandoned me. You left me with this strange man that I have no idea who he is. You didn't send me any food. 
and he fed me this weird stuff that I have no idea what it is. And so I spit it all over him. And then he picked me up and started swinging me around. And it was just crazy. So I screamed at him. And then he strapped me into this apparatus and put me in this bigger apparatus. And then finally I just gave up and I fell asleep. Because you see, in that moment, we did not have that relationship to where she could talk to me and tell me what she needed. We did not have that relationship where I was doing everything that I knew what to do to take care of her, but she didn't see it that way. She saw it as me torturing her. And sometimes we have that relationship with God because God has us right where he wants us. He has us in the palm of his hand. And then we go, God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you feeding me this weird stuff? Why are you putting me through this, God? But we don't have that relationship, and we're not talking to him to be able to know that he has us right where we need to be in that circumstance. And so anytime you find yourself in a hard place where you're looking for answers, let's turn to God first. Now I'm going to invite the band back up here. And as they lead us in this closing song, this response song, I just ask that everyone respond in prayer. And so whatever that looks like for you, if that's coming up to the altar and praying, do that. If that's staying in your seat, kneeling on the ground, raising your hands, do that. We're also going to have Chad over here to my right, Paul to my left, and Jayton in the back, and I'll be up front here. If you need help or someone to pray over you, do that. But go to your Father in prayer at this time and pray for something specific. Let us pray. God, I praise you this morning. God, it is so great to talk about you, but it's even better to talk to you. And God, I thank you for that opportunity. I pray that as we open up in prayer today that, that you will receive our prayers, God, that we will just be vulnerable before you and we will just pray for those things that we need but we will pray more importantly to just praise you, God. God, speak to our hearts this morning. Speak to our minds this morning. And as we leave here, God, make us a church that just prays and we move mountains. God, I thank you for everything that you do. Your son's name.
morning. There's a couple announcements I just wanted to give to you before we head out. First one is there is a uh, fundraiser happening on August 5th for the Tiny Seeds. It's at Tiny Seeds uh, Christian Preschool. So there's a preschool that's starting here. Um, going to be a four-day-a-week thing. Anyways, they're just doing some fundraising. There's going to be uh, there's gonna be a silent auction. There's going to be a sweet walk, which is like a cake walk, but it's not like limited to cake. That sounds fun. And, um, and there'll be a meal anyway, so that'll be August 5th. And the next thing is that um, um, Hey CISD, the school district, um, they're taking in uh, donations for families in need for, uh, and it says that's school supplies, um, school clothes, you know, it's back to school thing. Us that have kids, back to school can, can be a costly venture. And so um, they're just taking donations. If you wanted to uh, uh, contact Jack Paleo, that's his number. If you want to take a picture of that or something like that or if you know the guy that's great and uh, we um, we love that you're a generous church so here's a here's an opportunity for us to share the love of God with uh, with our resources so um, church is a closing verse and leave with you it's Colossians chapter 4 verse 2 continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving this week church let's continue in prayer let's go to our father over and over and over again, whether in the highs or in the lows, because he wants to hear from his children. It is fascinating that he wants to hear from us as much as he does, and he's so powerful and so good and so holy, but yet he's leaning over heaven, wanting to hear his children pray to him. Church, we love you so much. You're dismissed.